0: This morning, President Trump tweeted that he has the absolute right to pardon himself, but, quote, why would I do that when I have done nothing wrong? Echoing the statements that his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, made on Sunday on NBC's Meet the Press.
1: The president of the United States mm-hmm. um, pardoning himself would just be unthinkable, and it would, it, would, it would lead to probably an immediate impeachment. You know, you get the House... Yeah, Senate would be under tremendous, tremendous pressure. Uh, president Trump has no need to do that. He didn't do anything wrong.
0: My guest is Stephen Binhack, former federal prosecutor and associate independent counsel in the Whitewater investigation. Steve, the question of whether a president has the absolute right to pardon himself has never been litigated because no president has ever asserted so brashly that laws and traditions don't apply to him. Does Trump have the absolute right to pardon himself?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, and I think the answer is yes, and I think the way to, to, to resolve that question is to go to the Constitution itself, which says that the president, this is in article two, section two, which deals with the powers of the president, says the, he, meaning the president, shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. What that means is there's no limitation except in cases of impeachment and the constitution is set up to have a separation of powers. So for those who think, "Oh my gosh, the president is going to pardon himself, the world is is going to fall apart because no one has any recourse." That's not true. The president cannot change the a case of impeachment. And in section 4 of the same uh article article 2, it says the president, vice president and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors so the fact of the matter is although it has not been tested i think that the president could pardon himself but immediately he could not or immediately impeachment proceedings would be uh would start and the congress could impeach and remove him and he could do nothing to stop that so i think the constitution has thought about that or the, the framers thought about this and they wrote into the constitution what would happen
0: do you see a pattern in the pardons that Trump has issued already and bypassing the pardon vetting procedures usually done by the Department of Justice?
1: Yes, I do see a pattern. First, <clears throat> remember, the Constitution is different than the norms that we have in our government. We have certain norms between the, uh, the president and, the, um, and his departments. One of those departments is the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice has a pardon attorney who normally takes care of pardons. There's rules about when you can start the pardon process, typically five years after the sentence is complete. There's a recommendation, and the White House agrees. That is not a constitutional requirement, and the president appears to be playing this particular situation as a political situation, and that means that he will, if he wants to, over uh, ignore the norms and the regulations that are out there. No constitutional requirement that he that he follow them, and he will have to live with the political consequences of his um, pardons. I think these pardons are set up to gradually step us up to the point where the president could um, could pardon himself. That is, you he's starting with Apio and going, you know, to Mister D'Souza. You have a pattern of pardons where the president is saying these people were unfairly convicted. It was unrighteous prosecutions, unfair prosecutors. And if he lays the groundwork there, it's only a short step for him to say, I'm in the same boat. And we saw the tweet today where the president says, I can absolutely pardon myself, but I don't need to because I didn't do anything wrong. Again, laying the groundwork to make the political play of making a pardon for himself Which would force the Congress to act.
0: Let's turn to a private letter from Trump's legal team to Mueller that was written in January but printed in the New York Times Friday. It's remarkably broad in asserting an unlimited right to stop federal investigations and issue pardons and concludes that a president can't obstruct justice. What's your reaction to the legal claims in that letter?
1: Well, there's a few different legal claims, and I have a different reaction to either to several of them. I think that the president could try to stop this investigation by firing Mr. Mueller. If he did that uh, and, um, and he was successful, I think then the Congress would have the right to impeach and remove him. That is no, not really different than the Saturday Night Massacre that we saw under the Nixon administration. With regard to obstruction of justice... I think the president can obstruct justice in certain ways, but uh, it is not obstruction of justice. And I mean by obstruct justice, I'm talking about a criminal issue. The president can make the crime of obstructing justice by destroying documents, tampering with witnesses, bribing people. But I don't think that firing an inferior officer in his administration would make, would make the crime of, of, of obstruction of justice, because the, power, the president has the power to do that. But for all the criminal obstruction of justice the president might do, there's the remedy of an indictment. And for any political obstruction of justice, you have impeachment. So if the president were to bribe a witness to not say the truth, that would be a criminal act subject to criminal prosecution and, of course, impeachment. But if the president just fired an inferior officer, then that would be subject, in my opinion, only to uh, an impeachment proceeding.
0: All right. And you have to rely on the Congress for that on the House of Representatives. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve. That's Steve Binhack. He is a Miami attorney and a former federal prosecutor and associate independent counsel in the Whitewater investigation. In one of the most closely watched cases of the term, the Supreme Court threw out a finding that a Colorado baker illegally discriminated when he refused to make a cake for the wedding of a same-sex couple. The seven-to-two decision was on narrow grounds and was written by Justice Anthony Kennedy. Joining us is Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Store. Greg, it's the first really full-scale fight over gay rights since the court legalized same-sex marriage. To put it bluntly, did the justices in the majority punt?
2: They did punt to a large degree, June. Uh, They decided the case of Jack Phillips, and it's not clear they decided any more than that. And actually, it turns out there's even some disagreement as to exactly what it means for Jack Phillips. Essentially, they said that when considering his case, members of the Colorado Civil Rights Commission uh, held an animus towards religion. And because of that, uh, the finding against him couldn't stand.
0: And it seems that both sides can claim victory, or are claiming victory. The ACLU, which argued for the gay couple, has released a couple of uh, press releases, and they said the court rejected the argument that businesses have a constitutional right to discriminate against LGBTQ people. Is that? Did the court actually do that?
2: <laughs> well, they, they, they certainly didn't didn't hold that there, there is a constitutional right to discriminate. There is some language in here that um, is is favorable to to advocates of gay rights. The the court does talk about how, in general, uh, anti-discrimination laws can be enforced and businesses have to comply with them. Now, uh, the court did leave open what's going to happen the next time some other business uh, has a similar claim claiming, I have a speech right or a religious right not to take part in a same sex marriage ceremony or to to lend any support to it um, so that question is still on the table, but the general principle that um, that uh most businesses, at least, do have to comply with anti-discrimination laws, including protections on the basis of sexual orientation. Uh, That is, in fact, the case.
0: So, Greg, I remember that the oral arguments in this case were very dynamic. They went extra time on them. So, do you think that what happened here is that they couldn't get a five-member majority on any of the other big issues, or they just didn't want to tackle the big issues?
2: It's probably more the latter. These were questions, these issues, the statements by the members of the Civil Rights Commission uh, suggesting that religion has been used for some bad purposes over over history, those were issues that Justice Kennedy raised during the arguments. He was clearly very concerned about that. He clearly uh, uh, thought that there was some uh, bias against religion lurking uh, Among members of the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, so um, it's not—it doesn't have the feel of something that um, you know that this was their third choice to decide the case. This seemed like the way Justice Kennedy felt like the case ought to be uh, decided.
0: So, tell us what the two justices in the dissent—that was uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg—wrote the dissent, and she was joined by Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Tell us what the dissent said.
2: So. So it was a somewhat muted dissent, um, uh, but what, essentially what she said it said was, um, "Look, these were a couple comments by members of, of a commission, um, at least one of which, maybe even both of which, are no longer on the commission." Uh, this is a case that went through a lot of process and it through an administrative law judge, um, through uh, uh, the, the, the courts, um, and so uh, she essentially said, uh, it, "It's hard to see how that, you know, any animated that might have existed among, you know, as demonstrated by a couple comments, uh, how that should be allowed to override in this particular case this general principle that uh, that that uh, uh, gay couples uh, are entitled to be protected from discrimination under under Colorado civil rights laws.
0: Could this have any significance or point toward what may happen with the Trump travel ban, where the allegation is that it was based on animus? i don 't want
2: to read too much into this. I, I think what you can definitely see in this case so that so there are seven justices in the majority, justices Breyer and Kagan, who uh, you know, tend to be with the liberal wing, join the majority. a little bit of a, a consensus ruling. Um, one can imagine that that sort of model may happen again with the travel ban. Very different issues remains to be seen um, it, 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 it 's you know hard to sort of project too much from one case to the other, but it 's certainly at least a sign that uh, in one case, in this case, some members of the court were able to bridge whatever differences they had.
0: Will the case have any impact at all on states that have laws that bar discrimination based on sexual orientation by establishments that do business with the public, or is it just that it won't have any effect on anything at all? Well,
2: it will certainly be cited an awful lot, because there is language, as we were discussing before, that, that says that in general laws like that are enforceable against, against private businesses. Whether it's dispositive, whether it tells you what the answer is when you get a case like this, that remains to be seen. There is another case, I should say, that the court could uh, agree to take up in the next couple of weeks. It involves a florist in Washington state. Uh, very similar things. She didn't want to uh, provide flowers for a same-sex uh, wedding. And so it's possible the court will, will decide that we're going to take up that case and actually decide these big questions.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Greg, did you see, uh, you know, the language that Justice Kennedy has used in the cases involving gay rights? Did you see that in the opinion? But- there
2: was some of that, uh, no question. Um, let me, uh, I, I'll find it here. But he, he talked about the uh, you know the general right of, of gay people to be, if you put it, uh, uh, not treated as social outcasts or inferior in dignity and worth. Um, so he certainly reaffirmed that notion that was part of his gay marriage ruling uh, from 2015. At the same time, however, he said that, uh, quote, the religious and philosophical objections to gay marriage are protected views and, in some instances, protected for of expression. So he, he was trying to say that both sides in this debate, both uh, gay people who, who are entitled to equality and people who have a, a religious opposition, both are entitled to respect.
0: Well, we have a lot of other cases high profile coming up, and we'll see if we get any blockbuster rulings with those. Thanks so much, Greg. That's Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Storr. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.